What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy. Continuing on with our serial killer conspiracies theme, Jackie will be discussing the Son of Sam killings. This famous conspiracy may actually be more factual than a theory, but please be aware this episode will discuss murder, assault, pedophilia, and animal cruelty. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Ooh, that's creepy. Ooh. I'm not doing it like I was going to say <laughs> Melissa's ooh is very tamed compared to my girly ooh. But today we're back with our second episode on serial killer conspiracies. And today I'm going to be telling Melissa about... Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me Jackie. <laughs> the Son of Sam killings in New York. You know what is so funny is that hmm. I picked the Unabomber and you said, I don't know that much. I truly, for my love and knowledge of crime and all things scary, don't know a lot about the Son of Sam killings. Honestly, I don't blame you because it did happen in the 70s. I wouldn't have known that much if we didn't talk about it in one of my crime classes in college. We, like, went into it. I don't know why, but we did. So that's just how I know about it. But, um... For this story, since this is a conspiracy, I'm not going to, like, go into, you know, full-on detail about all of the murders. I'm just going to give an overview and then, like, the conspiracy because, like Melissa's, the story is so popular that if you guys want a really thorough, in-depth look at the son of Sam Killings and David Berkowitz, then I would just suggest, like, watching a documentary or something else, honestly. And I actually will say... um. We usually don't give our full-on beliefs, me and Melbell, but I'll say before we get into it that I actually think this is fact. Like, I don't even think that this is a conspiracy theory. I think this is truly what happened. So, let's just get into it. Let me say something real quick. Yeah. That's the first time you've called me Melbell on this podcast. (gasps) Really? It slipped. A Melbell slipped. I didn't even realize. That's my nickname, guys. (laughs) Now you know it. Continue. Okay. Sorry. Melbell. Okay, so this, yeah, happens in the 70s. Um, As we talked about with The Omen, the 70s was, like, a weird time. People were really into cults and music and movies and killings and craziness. Are we at, we're at satanic panic, right? Yeah, this is the the age. So this story, we're just going to get right on into it. At 1.10 a.m. on July 29th, 1976, in Bronx, New York, the area known as Pelham Bay, two young women were shot by an assailant using 44 caliber, caliber bullets. One of them, Donna Loria, was killed instantly. She was only 18 years old and from New York, and the two girls were sitting in the car just chatting. A composite of the gunman was created based on eyewitness accounts. So, Donna got killed, but the other woman survived. And I apologize for not having her name handy, but I couldn't really find it. So, on October 23rd, 
1976. So this is a couple of months later because that first one was in July. Another shooting occurred in Queens, New York. Both victims survived this time, but they were also shot with 44 caliber bullets. Carl De Niro was riding his car. He was with a date and they were looking for a place to park when he said that the shooter, whoever it was, crept up behind the car and he just said next thing he knew, it felt like the car exploded. There was glass everywhere and he just didn't even really know until later that he was shot. So I think it was just one of those things they weren't expecting it at all and yeah. That's horrible. Uh-huh. But they both survived. On November 27th, 1976, two young women were also shot in Queens. They were two young girls sitting on a front porch. They said a man approached them and asked for directions, then pulled out a gun and fired at them both. Both girls survived but were seriously wounded, and one of the girls would become paralyzed for the rest of her life from the shooting. I hate this individual. Yeah, it's really rough. On January 30th, 1977, Christine Freund and her fiancé were shot in their car. She was sadly killed, and she was 26 years old and from Austria. She was hit three times from the back, so another person killed in their car, and they recovered bullets from there, I believe, that were also forty-four caliber. This person is a monster. Yeah. People in New York, I mean, at this point, headlines weren't necessarily saying that these were related. So, people, I mean, it's New York City. It's a huge city. It's not like crimes are going to be too crazy yet. So, no one's putting the pieces together yet. Well, I think they might be behind closed doors, but... Not to the public. No. Okay. So... On March 8th, 1977, a Columbia University student named Virginia Vosker Richian was shot and killed when she was walking home from school at around 7.30. She was only 20 years old and she was from Bulgaria. She was shot right in the face and this happened a block away from where Christine Freund had been shot and killed back in January. Mm, This breaks my heart. Yeah, it is pretty sad. Eyewitnesses created two composites of the killer. Both of these composites seem different from the earlier um, composite sketchings that were done in 1976. Like the technique was different? or No, like the picture. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No, like the picture looked different. Like not, two different people. Yeah, not horribly different, but different. On April 17, 1977, Alexander Is and Valentina Suriani, I'm so sorry I butchered that first guy's name, were both shot and sadly killed in their car in Pelham Bay. He was 19 and she was only 18. They were both from New York. Tragic. They were just a little couple out in their car chilling. But this time a handwritten note was left at the scene and the killer identified himself as the son of Sam. Ew. So this is kind of when it's like, in the media, people are putting things together. On Memorial Day of 1977, the killer sent another letter to a newspaper columnist named Jimmy Breslin. It contained taunts and a lot of references to Satanism. It mentioned the 22 Disciples of Hell, Wicked King Wicker, and John Wheaties, the rapist and suffocator of young girls. 
And it was also signed by the Son of Sam and had satanic symbols at the bottom. That just gave me chills. I really didn't like that. Yeah, both letters contained a lot of symbols and weird, like, little pictures that they just said seemed satanic. And they clearly knew that it was, like, from the first letter. That was, I mean, obviously they were both signed the Son of Sam. But I'm actually not sure that they put the first letter in the newspaper. But regardless, they're like, um... This is so, this is the same person doing all of this. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, too, because this kind of, like, last week sounds very Zodiac. They're going after couples at night. Yeah, very Zodiac. But I don't, I don't think this... Messages to the media. <laughs> For once, I don't think this serial killer was related to the Zodiac. <laughs> so, finally, on July 31st, basically a whole year... Yeah, a whole year from the first shooting, because the very first shooting happened in July... Of 1976. On July 31st, 1977, the assailant struck for the last time. He killed a young woman named Stacy Moskowitz, and her boyfriend, Robert Violente, was injured. She was 20 years old and from New York, and they too were shot in their car with a 44 caliber revolver. There was a 19 year old mechanic named Tommy. Zeno. He was a witness to the shooting. I'm pretty sure he was either like working on his car or he was like right there. So he really saw it and gave a good description of what he said that the person looked like. And this was different from the other composite sketches. So now they have, I think, four composite sketches. Two of them look alike and the other two look alike, but the two don't look like the same person. It looks like two people. So, authorities learned from um, a neighbor of something suspicious that night that I'll talk about a little bit, but she had stated that there was a car that had a parking ticket near the scene of the crime. It, It was issued to a Ford Galaxy, and the authorities were able to trace this Ford Galaxy to a postal employee named David Berkowitz. When authorities went to his residence... They noticed that the car was outside, and I guess somehow, I don't know if they opened the car or just saw it sitting there inside. They'll never say, but it's the 70s, so I'm like, the door could have been unlocked. But regardless, they saw a duffel bag with a rifle inside of it. So, they searched the car. You're just leaving that in your car? Well, okay, I'm assuming now that they're opening the car because they search it, and then that's when they find... Uh, a Son of Sam letter, which was threatening more attacks, but obviously had not been sent. So they just, like, wait there. And at 10 p.m., David Berkowitz strolls back onto his car. And he is actually carrying a forty-four caliber rifle in a paper bag. And so he's arrested right on the spot. He's like, oh, that bag in my car? That wasn't mine, for sure. Well, he's arrested and he actually confesses to all of the shootings. It oh. really was not difficult at all which is like another reason why I didn't really want to tell this whole story because (laughs) he just was like yeah it's me and they catch him like the day after the last person or a few days after the last person is shot so this case blew the f up for this reason among many but this was one of the things that a lot of people remember about this case that are just like what in the f So, he told neighbors that he had received orders to kill all these people from the barking dog of his neighbor, Sam Carr. 
He pleaded guilty to all of the murders and was sentenced to 25 to life in prison. He said a dog told him to do all this? Yeah, his neighbor named Sam Carr, he said his dog, like, told him to do it. His neighbor, I think, had, like, a Rottweiler or some sort of big black dog. Author Maury Terry, he had been kind of keeping up with the story the whole time, and he didn't really believe that Berkowitz did all this alone. He had kind of seen the composite sketches and was just, like, just keeping up with the whole thing. And he was just like, I just don't think this guy did it alone. Mm -hmm. So he really launched, like, his full-on own investigation. I'm almost positive he wrote a book on it. And if he did, I'll link it in the notes. But um, he was very suspicious of all this stuff. He talked to eyewitness Tommy Zeno who had seen the cu- the one couple get shot and killed in their car, the mechanic who was 19 years old, and helped with the composite sketch. He said that he had seen a slim man with medium-length hair shoot Stacy and Robert. He saw Berkowitz a few days later, and he was very, very certain that he was not the man that he saw at the scene. And he believed that uh, David Berkowitz was much stockier than the shooter that he had seen. So, Maury had also learned, or, yes, that's name? Maury. Maury, the author, had also learned about a yellow Volkswagen, which was parked in front of the park that Stacy and Robert were shot at nearby, that little park. It was there around 1 a.m. on the night of the shooting, and witnesses had seen three men emerge from it, and then 30 minutes later, Tommy had noticed this car pass by him twice. At 2.05 a.m., a policeman issued the parking ticket to David Berkowitz's car, which is not a yellow Volkswagen. At the same time, a neighbor named Cecilia Davis, the one who I said actually tipped off the police about someone suspicious and the parking ticket, she was dropped off by a friend next to where the shooting occurred at, like, 2 a.m., She said that she was getting out of her car, and I guess that David Berkowitz drove down the street, was, like, honking at her when she was getting out of her friend's car, and then drove down the street, but she got a good look at him. So, she got out of her friend's car and saw him driving away from the area, and he was following a police car. Fifteen minutes later, when Stacy and Robert went on a walk around the park, they, there was a man standing next to the park restroom. And that was two blocks from Cecilia's apartment. At 2.33, she said she was returning from walking her dog, which I was like, in the 70s, it must be nice being able to walk your dog at 2.30 a.m. and not be that scared. But she returns from, I mean, it is also New York City, so. But she returns from walking her dog, and she says that she saw David Berkowitz walk right past her on the sidewalk, and she's like, that's the guy who honked at me. So... Just one minute later, she entered her apartment building and heard shots. So she said that she felt like it was very unlikely that David Bergowitz would be able to walk the two blocks to the scene of the shooting in less than a minute. And that, like, normally took someone about two minutes if they were walking pretty briskly. So she was just like, that kind of seems unlikely. And coupled with what people said that they saw... um. People had said that they saw a yellow Volkswagen, and right before the shooting occurred, they saw a man wearing what they said a cheap wig run from the scene and hop into a yellow Volkswagen that drove away. 
So, and he drove a yellow Volkswagen, correct? No, David Berkowitz didn't, which is oh. why people think there's multiple people in on this because David Berkowitz got a ticket that night and was not in a yellow Volkswagen. Right. But I'll, I'll mention, I'll go back to this part and mention his, his part in this. So, Maury believed that there were at least three other people involved in the shooting, including Berkowitz, based on what, like, what people said. He believed that they were all part of a cult, which was called the Son of Sam. He believes that even though David Berkowitz was involved in the shooting, he just was, like, became the fall guy when he was caught, and I think just realized, like, it was up. So, there were rumors when Maury did more investigating, he uncovered a lot. He just figured out that there was an active cult that had been recruiting new members and members in New York for a, a long time, years. What? Ten years, at least, I believe. In the letter that the first, or, yeah, the first Son of Sam letter, I believe, that mentioned, like, King Wicker and John Wheaties, and everyone was like, huh? They said that Berkowitz lived in an apartment next to Wicker Street, and there was a man named John Carr who lived close to him that people had nicknamed John Wheaties. And John Carr was the son of Sam Carr, who was David Berkowitz's neighbor, who said that his dog, like, claimed, like, told him to do all the crimes. So there were three, like, references in there. Yeah, the King Wicker one. They're saying he believes that that's a reference to the apartment um, on Wicker Street. And the John Wheaties reference is a reference to a guy named John Carr, who is friends with David Berkowitz, who's also Sam Carr's son. He's just like, there's a lot of people involved in this. But what does, what significance does, does he hold? Is he their cult leader? Well, it's just like these, both these son and, this son and father combo are both mentioned in the son of sam letters right and people are saying that uh david berkowitz is friends with them i agree and i think it's i i can definitely see that i'm just so like i want to know more you know why all of those references if it was that person what significance does he hold oh you're gonna get more girl (gasps) so maury actually tracked john carr down to Minot, Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota. Maury learned that while he worked in North Dakota that John had frequently traveled to New York around the time of the murders and authorities were able to confirm that he was actually a very close friend of Berkowitz. On February 17, 1978, which was after Berkowitz's arrest, John was found dead in his girlfriend's apartment in North Dakota. She thought at the time that he had sat at the edge of his bed and shot himself with a gun, and that's what she told police the first day. However, the day after he was murdered, she changed her story, and she said that she believed that he was murdered because he had told her that he was wanted for the Son of Sam murders in New York, and that he was afraid for his life, and that he was involved. So at first she thought suicide, and now the second day she thinks murder. Yeah. One of the North Dakota um, investigators on that case was very convinced that it was a murder. However, they didn't really have any 
evidence to prove it. So that was kind of that. Maury believes that John had sadistic cult ties in both New York and North Dakota and that the cult engaged in blood drinking, urine drinking, and animal sacrifices. What the fuck? And Maury discovered that the satanic symbol at the end of the very first letter was a symbol found in John's phone book. So, Phil Falcon, he was another guy. He was a friend of John's in North Dakota. He told Maury that he had accidentally walked in one time on John and another man doing some sort of satanic ritual. (gasps) Uh He also told Maury that John belonged to a violent satanic cult and prisoner prisoner sources who knew David Berkowitz claimed that David had said that he was introduced to the cult by John's brother named Michael. And at 4 a.m. on October 4th, 1979, John's brother Michael was killed after he crashed into a light post on New York's West Side Highway. He died just 18 months after his brother. However, people said that it was odd that he dived, <laughs> dived, he died drunk and there was alcohol in his system. However, people who knew him swore that he never drank, like, ever. What? Yeah. So, in one of uh, David Berkowitz's depositions, he admitted that he knew John. In 1983, during some other sort of deposition, he confirmed that they were involved in a satanic cult together and he believed that John and Michael were murdered to ensure their silence. So, Maury believes that their deaths were part of a cult, and there was a reference to, in the letters, 22 Disciples of Hell. Maury believes that's, like, in reference to 22 members of the cult. Mm-hmm. He also believes that the group held their rituals in Untermeyer Park, which is located one mile from Berkowitz's apartment and is in Yonkers. So, obviously this whole episode is like trigger warning, but this part's extra trigger warning for animal cruelty. And I'm sorry, I'll do it as not in detail as I can because I hate this. I hate you already. I'm sorry, I hate it too. In August of 1977, after David Berkowitz's was arrested, two boys led police to a grave where they found a few bodies of German shepherd dogs in Untermeyer Park. Authorities just got calls after that, basically, about activity there. Um, so, Untermeyer Park, it's a park in Yonkers. It was owned by a gardener named Samuel Untermeyer, and... He kept it very, very beautiful in the 1930s, but when he died in the 40s, the city couldn't afford to keep up with it, so it just went to crap and got run down and became a hangout. Um, Across the street was St. John's Hospital, and overnight workers at the hospital regularly claimed that they saw torch flames moving deep within the woods and heard strange chanting, and this was so frequent that... One of the park's abandoned pump houses was called Devil's Cave. Oh, my God. A group of teenagers also took Maury to, like, a part where they thought cult meetings happened in the park where they found satanic graffiti. And they found a satanic altar set up. 
They still were saying that even after the murders that cult activity was happening in Untermyer Park. I don't know if that's... It probably was even more after that all happened, but authorities honestly are still looking it was said in the early 2000s that this case was still open and that police were still looking for a 1971 yellow Volkswagen seen at the time with a license plate letters ending in G-U-R. In 1997, David Berkowitz, after he'd been in jail for a while, he he had tried to play this whole thing where he made a, he said he made a huge turnaround and he wanted people to refer to him as the son of hope instead of the son of Sam. Truly, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna talk about that. That's all I'll say. I want him to be thrown in a pit like he did the German Shepherds. I do too. So, he'd been in jail for a while in 1997 and he actually agreed to talk to Maury Terry, probably because he had done so much work on the case. He was like, okay. So, he basically confirmed everything that Maury Terry believed. Said that he- Shut up. No, he said, yeah, he was in a cult. He said that he was a minor player. He said he uh, committed three of the shootings, but was only, like, a ride-along for the other three. So that makes me believe that on the night, uh, the last murder of, I believe, Stacy Moskowitz was the last murder, that he was probably watching the police and staking them out and walking around the area, staking out the scene, and then the group of people in the yellow Volkswagen pulled up and shot them, the other cult members. He said that it was because that they were in a cult and that they wanted to start like a mass panic sort of thing. He said he got involved with the cult when he went to a party in the neighborhood and met cult members one time, and they then brought him to the cult event in Untermyer Park, where David said he got really into the idea of death And he also said that members were very much into child pornography and were either doing or wanting to sell children and also committed ritualistic murders. And that would explain if they were very much selling child pornography, why the letter said John Wheaties, the rapist and suffocator of young girls, like that reference very disturbing. I my mind is so blown. And yeah, David basically confirmed it all. Said that he did some of the murders, others he was in the car, others he was a lookout, but he didn't do all of them and yeah. That's that. He basically confirmed what people said, but I mean it's tough now like the other two major I don't know ever what happened to Sam Carr, okay. the dad, but John and Michael, his two sons who were both Real big members in the cult both died 18 months from each other, both in super sus ways. So I'm assuming that David didn't give up names to... No. I don't think he... I don't... I truly do not think, for whatever reason, it must just maybe have been a cult thing. Maybe just David saw no point in it because he's that evil to give up other people, but... No. Son of a bitch. And I honestly think they would have probably killed anybody's name who was given up. This sons of bitches cult. Literally, I hate them. But that's why I truly don't... I really don't think that's a conspiracy theory. Like, that is way too much 
coincidences. Them finding the satanic symbol in John Carter's phone book. Right. Too much. I would say, you know, like, he's just doing this for clout or he's just saying this to get his name out there. But they had all of this before David Berkowitz even admitted it. He basically only admitted it because Maury Terry wrote a book about it already and had done years of, like, investigating. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just the fact there's so much weight to it. There's so much evidence for each point, each connection that they have. It's way too many things for people to just say it's a conspiracy. It really does seem at this point like it's fact. I I agree. agree It was crazy when I was doing that. There is, I should mention, there is an Unsolved Mysteries episode about it. They interview, um, oh my gosh, uh, his last name was Zeno. I'm sorry. I'm already forgetting the 19-year-old mechanic. They interviewed him on the Unsolved Mysteries, and he talks about it a little bit. So it's a good episode if you guys want to watch. I love Unsolved Mysteries. So if you want to watch it, though, it's definitely one of the older, older ones. But they just kind of, like, give a brief overview of what they believe about the cult. But, yeah. That just Crazy. blew my mind. I cannot believe I've never heard that story before. Right? I feel like not a lot of people have, especially in this day and age. Right? But David Berkowitz is obviously still in prison. Uh, I don't think he's going to go anywhere anytime soon, even if he does say he's the son of hope. You know what I want to do is look up and see how they claimed that there were those... Um, cult members in South Dakota, I would like to look up at the time of the Son of Sam murders and see if there were any murders in South Dakota that were similar. That's a good idea. And, like, as gross as it is, like, any child kidnappings, like, that weird stuff. There was, girl, there was a lot more animal cruelty that I didn't even talk about because I hate that stuff. I'm so glad you didn't. No. Like, I'm sorry. I know so many people want the gruesome details, but that is one thing I will never talk about on this podcast is I can't do animal cruelty. So, yeah. That is that. But please, if you guys have more tidbits about this, more information to throw in. I'm, I feel like this could be one of those things where it's almost like a Reddit thread where people could be like, and I heard this here, and did you notice this connection here? So please let us hear them. On, yes. Come chat with us on Instagram. We will be excited to talk to you guys. That blew my mind. Let us know what you think. We love your opinions. We want them all. We do. Tell us. Only the good ones. Yes. Just kidding. <laughs> All of them. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. Thanks, guys. And we will see you all next time. Bye, creepy cats. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast. Or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.